Welcome to today's episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jake Hirschman, and really excited for today's episode with Amy Wise, the Chief Development and Marketing Officer for the 2022 Special Olympics USA Games. And those will be happening in June of 2022 in Orlando, Florida, and excited to talk about how did she get there? And then ultimately, what were some of the experiences along the way that led to uh, her leadership position uh, for these games. Talk a little bit about the games because they are hosted every four years. So prior to uh, Orlando was in Seattle and New Jersey. So they move around a little bit around the country and uh, excited to just talk about what's what's upcoming. So Amy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. All right, so we got to first acknowledge this because you are an Ohio Bobcat. Now, you didn't go to the sports administration program, which is totally okay, but you did spend some time in Athens, and that's where your career started uh, as part of the journalism school. So what did you learn as a journalism major, and how has that affected your career path? Um, That's a good question. Um, Well, OU is the, the very best school. We were both aware of that. Um, so I learned a whole bunch while I was there, um, but I, you know, they made me a good writer. And in a lot of ways, that's been probably one of the things that has been one of my greatest assets is when it is being able to communicate well and how important that is. Um, I, I mean, that's what I've learned probably the, the most from OU. That's probably the biggest impact, but I will tell you that even before going to OU, I never would have thought of having a career in sports and just getting exposure to friends who were involved in the sports program and, and then being able to use that as a network for my sort of beginnings in sports uh, was amazing. Yeah, you know, you think as you're, if you're a student listening to this and you're going, well, I'm a history major, how do I get into sports? Or if I'm a journalism major, how do I get into sports? You don't have to be a sports management student to get into sports you just have to understand what you want to do, right? There's plenty of journalism majors that I'm sure you went to school with that became writers for whatever company it was, whether it's ESPN or um, Sports Illustrator, whatever the case might be, right? And there's plenty of other avenues. And we'll get into that a little bit with your role in Special Olympics, because, you know, coming out of school, you don't immediately think like, I'm going to go work for the Special Olympics. A lot of people think big brands, you know, they think about, the NFL, the NBA, MLB, NHL, et cetera. Uh, But there's so many ways you can impact people in the world of sports in ways that you aren't right in front of your face. So um, you started off in minor league hockey, which is also one of those places as well, which I did an internship for the Ontario Reign early on, which was a great experience. I learned how to not eat uh, on the ice while you're with dress shoes and make sure you don't slip in front of the crowd. Yeah. Uh, not sure if you learned that at all or not, but yes, yeah, I have that skill as well. And <laughs> um, I actually started in PR. So you're talking about you know using your skills and moving it into uh, into the team side. So um, so the uh, Beast of New Haven was my very first team. And so after school, I was working for a magazine in New York City. I was sleeping on like my brother's futon in uh, in Hoboken, New Jersey. And I I was really unhappy. And that's when I started, you know, talking to my friend who graduated and I was working for the the, uh, NFL Players Association. Um, And I decided, you know, I'm just gonna try it. And I I put out the time, like this is the late nineties. I put out resumes to every single team, every single hockey team and New Haven needed a PR person. So 
that's that's how I ended up in in New Haven for not even a full season because they went defunct about five months after I arrived. So I was there for you know half of the season. Wow. Well, let's fast forward real quick because there was another place that you were at at one point in time that then kind of went poof uh, into existence uh, yeah. in the AAF, which uh, as AAF, XFL, just kind of the uh, the try to be a second football league, right, is, is a really interesting endeavor to be a part of. Tell us a little bit about that experience and kind of how you got involved. Sure. I, uh, I, you know, I interviewed, <laughs> that's how I got involved with it. And I, you know, Orlando, um, was bringing a team on board. I had the chance to meet the gentleman who was, um, uh, the president of the Orlando team. And he was looking to round out his executive team. And we sort of talked about what they were doing. And, you know, I, I think spring football can work. I'm not I, there. I, even having been through this, there are a lot of passionate people who are involved. There are a lot of people who have their hearts in the right place. We just, we found ourselves in a situation where, um, you know, the money we all thought was there wasn't there. And it was, it's one of those things. I mean, sports, you gotta, you gotta be able to be flexible and pivot and roll with the punches. And that was definitely one of those situations. I, I'll tell you, we found out that the team was, the league was no longer going to be continuing uh, via Twitter. So we kind of found out just by media and what media was saying. So we didn't, we didn't have a heads up or anything. I mean, we, you knew, you knew things weren't going the way you would hope that they would be going, but you know, communications to us were always on sort of the up and up. Yeah. I mean, communication to your very point at the beginning of this episode, right. Being so important, uh, and, and, you know, vitally playing a role in how things are communicated to different constituents is certainly with social media it today's day and age, right. It's, it's entirely different. Um, so you think about being an industry professional, right. The you're, you're in that day-to-day -day grind, but the ability to communicate well, right. And effectively, uh, is certainly a skill. Um, but not everyone was a journalism major and learned all of those different modes. So how do you go about, you know, making yourself a better writer as an industry professional or even someone who's in college, but, you know, maybe is there a way to take a, a certain class that allows you to learn different modes of communication uh, that prepares you best for the industry? Gotcha. See, see how important communication is. I wasn't able to answer your original question. <laughs> I, I clearly can't communicate as well as I can write. <laughs> but, you know, nowadays, everybody needs an editor. And so I think the best way to learn is learn through doing the work. And so um, looking for good mentors, looking for people who write well, looking for people who can edit your work and then learning from that. I mean, that's one of the more tactical things that you can do. Um, I am, you know, just learning punctuation period, uh, learning proofing um, edits, um, those types of things. Like there are some real basic grammar classes, I think that people would benefit from. Um, but again, like I was saying, there's all different types of ways to write now. And so what is acceptable on social media? Is it necessarily acceptable in an email or in a proposal or in a pitch? Um, so being very careful 
um, and very aware of where things are acceptable and where they're not. Sure. No, it makes a ton of sense. And as you think about um, how you're, let's just talk a little bit about the Special Olympics, the games, right? Because um, the communication piece goes into messaging and branding and how you're trying to get the word out about the games. And, um, you know, there's so many great things about what you're doing, but if you can't tell the right story, right, then, you know, you're, you're behind the eight ball. So let's just start with the logo, right, for, for first uh, components, because that's a huge, com you know, piece of, of what you're putting out there and how you're trying to tell the story. How did that, how did the logo become what, what it is? Yeah, uh, thank you for asking that question because we're a very athlete-driven organization. Uh, the games um, themselves, as you mentioned, happen once every four years. So we kind of get to recreate what that is every four years. And uh, so when we were thinking about the logo itself, we were working with this great agency and uh, they came up with a bunch of logos and they were all really brilliant. And then, you know, we kind of looked around and said, we don't have athletes here. Like we need, we need our athletes to really be the ones who are creating this logo. And uh, so, you know, we kind of scrapped everything that we'd done to that point, uh, you know, brought in athletes from all over the U.S. Um, who have um, a lot of different, very specific type of creative skills. So we had a, um, a baker, we had a um, designs our own clothes. Uh, we had a couple folks who are in graphic um, graphic design. Just really, really interesting art that came out of this, and then kind of combined everything to create uh, the logo. Um, so uh, we actually we had um, I don't there's a video on on um, our YouTube. It's on our um, on our website, which is uh, 2022 uh, USAGames.org. Uh, that shows that journey for our athletes. Really, really a beautiful way to get to, you know, the symbol or logo um, for the games. And behind all that is the location, right? So I mentioned it was in Seattle and New Jersey prior, but what's what's the um, what's what's behind Orlando, right? What's <laughs> special about Orlando? Well, <laughs> we are the number one destination, uh, and for good reason. So, you know, our host partner is Disney. So when we think about the USA Games, uh, we're going to be hosting our athletes or, you know, 4,000 plus athletes right at Disney, um, on Disney campus. Um, in some of the past games, they've stayed at um, universities and in the dorms and just had a really neat experience around this. They get, they, for us, they get to actually stay um, on Disney property, you know, Disney transit, um, they get, um, they get, uh, you know, all exposure, all different types of food while they're here. We were getting them some nights in the park. I mean, it is a, yeah, kind of referred to as like a sort of a make a wish moment for, you know, uh, 4,000 plus athletes, because this is going to be the experience of a lifetime. And some of our athletes have never left their, their state. This is going to be really their first trip out of state. And there's 17 sports. I mean, you think about all of the different athletes, like how do they get there? What, how do, do they need to qualify? Do they have their own state game? I mean, what, just explain that process for us a little bit too. So it's all, all different. Every state program does it slightly different. Um, some are qualifiers, some are qualifiers plus a lottery. I mean, each one kind of decides what their criteria is and how they pick their athletes. Um, 
the state programs themselves are responsible for getting the athletes to us. Um, we, um, we are going to be helping them and providing some scholarship um, um, money and that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, once they hit the ground here, uh, their entire experience, we, you know, it's under the umbrella of the USA Games. And as you think about the athletes that are competing, it's every four years, are they, are they like, are they competing to then also get some spots in the next Olympics, wherever those might be? Are they competing and then going back to their states and competing individually? What happens in between the four years, right? There's gotta be, there's gotta be something. Yeah, I mean, our state program. So you talk about, and hopefully people who are, are listening will look into their own state program as well. I mean, you talk about the engine of Special Olympics, like those state programs that the delegates that, you know, they have got to put together, um, you know, multiple state games and, and then they've constantly got events going on. So they'll have, um, they'll be things in each county There'll be things in, you know, in each region and then, and then, and then the big state game, you know, a couple times a year. So um, there's, I don't know, I've, I've heard the numbers, but, you know, it's thousands and thousands of events every, every year. And as you think about the impact, right? So yes, there's the impact on the athletes, but there's impact to the regions, the states and, and, and even the volunteers, right? I think back to one of my own experiences, I got to intern at Special Olympics Arizona back in college. And we were part of putting on the tryout for the for the USA softball team to then go to the World Games, which was just something super, super special because you got to see right before your eyes, these dreams come true of knowing these that what the team and the roster was going to be going to it was in LA the next year. But just being a part of volunteering, giving your time to do that, was so rewarding. Um, how, what does the staff look like? How many volunteers do you have? Cause that's how this engine runs, right? Like let's not be mistaken. It is a true community event and there's a lot of people who help out. Yeah. We, we, we need you. We need everybody. Um, I, in, you know, every person who's volunteered for special Olympics, I've yet to hear somebody tell a story about not having a great experience and it not changing and affecting their lives. So um, it's wonderful to hear that you had the same experience. We need 10,000 volunteers and that's 17,000 volunteer shifts to make the games happen for our athletes. And a lot of that is because we've, we've got 50% more athletes, 50% more sports. You had said 17 earlier. We actually have 20 sports and uh, probably at least one exhibition sport as well. Uh, so more sports, more athletes, just bigger, bigger. You know, we're Orlando. We just go big. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we've got incredible production teams and talent and entertainers in this area. So we're, we're, there's no ceiling to, I think, what we can do for our athletes. So by the time this episode launches, you'll have 28 sports. And then next thing you know, you'll be at like, what, 22, 24? It'll just kind of keep growing. All of that's already kind of been... <laughs> <laughs> I have to be careful what I say. I don't want to just keep adding. No, add no, no, I know. But there's a lot of, but so to your point, there's a lot of, there's a lot of volunteers, obviously. And then let's talk a little bit about ambassadors and how they help. And you've got quite a few already. Um, just name a couple and kind of what their role is. And if someone's listening to this and they want to be an ambassador or they want to be a volunteer, how do they go and do that? 
Sure thing. Uh, so we've got, I think we announced, I gotta be real careful. I think we announced 37 ambassadors um, and, and these are the sort of celebrity ambassadors. So these are the folks who um, have a following and then have agreed to lend their voice to help amplify our message. Uh, these are folks like uh, Grant Hill and Lin-Manuel Miranda and um, Rob Lowe, uh, Whoopi Goldberg, um, Ellen, uh, Jimmy Kimmel, like, you know, a really great group of um, people with far, with a big reach. Um, so they'll do things for us, like talk about us on social media, um, talk to their followers about how they can be involved. Um, we will invite them to come to opening ceremonies, uh, which is how we start the games, you know, with a large opening ceremony uh, event that will be on um, TV. ESPN is our global broadcast partner. Um, so that's really, really exciting. And um, we've been really lucky in getting that type of support for the USA Games. But I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we're, it's, it's a time right now. We're in 2022. We, you know, there's a lot going on in the world right now. Um, this is a big opportunity to have a healing event. And so if you've got, you know, if we've got, let's see who, you know, Kenny Reeves is listening right now and he would like to reach out and be an ambassador. He can, he can email me. I'll give you my phone number for that one too. Um, <laughs> um, but, you know, we need volunteers. The best way to, to volunteer is to go onto our website, which is 2022usagames.org. And there's a volunteer form and they can fill that out. And then um, we need people at all different levels. So we need people who have got, um, you know, 20 years experience and are willing to be accountable and help us manage some stuff. And then we need uh, folks who are just starting their career and want to get their hands dirty and want to learn. And then, you know, we just need, you know, retired uh, folks who can show up and, you know, want to cheer on our athletes and yeah, we need fans in the stands. We, well, there's, we need all kinds of things. Well, I, I bring that up because as a student, right, you're, you're trying to build your resume. You're trying to get those experiences that you can talk to in an interview and continue to build on what better way than to volunteer at the USA games in Orlando, right. And make a little trip out of it. And, and, you know, if you're, if you're in school in the local area, then, you know, hop in your car and head on over. And it's one of those things that can really, you never know who you can meet, right. You never know how you're going to be impacted. You never know how you're going to see the world of sports through a different lens by the experience of volunteering uh, and whatever you might else learn, right? There's a there's so many different positions to your point that you could get involved in from an events operations perspective that is truly invaluable, right? So um, yeah. that you know to your earlier point is get involved at the state level, right? There's a lot of different ways you get involved at state level, and then you know potentially uh, you know volunteer at, at the USA Games, given that it's every four years, pretty cool opportunity. And you know with that let's just talk about where you're at, right? And, and from the development and, and the marketing side, like there's gotta be something that makes this go, right? You can't put all this on for free, right? So uh, there's gotta be some people that help out, whether it's sponsors or, you know, donors, et cetera. So just give us a little insight into what makes this operation run and what it takes. Sure thing. Uh, so again, 
we've been very, very lucky. We had um, a lot of support from the right people very early on in Orlando. So we had a lot of support from our community, commitment from our community, um, from our state, uh, from Florida, um, the program. So Special Olympics Florida, um, they, you know, really committed to, uh, to help us, um, you know, in everything from stories about athletes to introductions to the right people. And so um, they've been really great on the sponsorship side. Uh, Jersey Mike's is our presenting sponsor and uh, they have made the largest contribution uh, to any USA games in history. Um, and there's, I mean, I can't, I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna share entirely what it was because I will tell you, they are one of the most humble organizations that I've worked for and they are doing it for the right reasons. And so, you know, if anybody wants a really great sub, please, please go to Jersey Mike's because man, they've just been amazing. And they really, really, really care about our athletes. And you, you just could not ask for anything more from a, a partner. Um, they've been amazing. You know, Disney, Disney really, really stepped up and it would be really easy for Disney to think that you know, we needed them more than they needed us, but man, they've been amazing. Um, and um, Orlando Health, we got Orlando Health on the medical side here. You know, we've got a group that has made a commitment to, uh, to really learning and using this as an education tool so that, you know, on the healthcare side, which, um, you know, is a very big for Special Olympics, where actually the, you know, world's largest um, healthcare organization for uh, persons with uh, intellectual disabilities. So it's really, it's kind of an unknown fact about what Special Olympics does. Healthcare is very, very important to our mission. And uh, they really wanna use us to help uh, do better, do good, grow, um, just amazing partnerships. We've been very, very, very lucky on the partnership side. And then my team here, uh, we've got I hired, we hired not just in the nonprofit realm. So I've actually, I, I, I stole a couple people from some teams here. Uh, you know, people who had, I think, I think, you know, minor league, I think ticketing offices, I think some of the best training that you can get that helps you be great salespeople um, happens at the team side. So, you know, people who are, we call, you know, dialing for dollars and aren't afraid of no and you know understand how to to work with objections and those types of things so i've got a great uh sales team here and then i've got a great marketing team here uh as well so a lot a lot of constituents a lot of people that make this thing go and and it's really exciting to see the build-up right because everyone sees the event happen and it's a week long and and then it happens and it comes and goes, right? But there's such a big process, uh, you know, years out, right? To start this whole thing, to get the bid. I mean, the bid is is one thing, right? But then once you have the bid and you're you're kind of going and uh, just the process and, and all the details, right, that are needed. Let's finish up with some rapid fire because that's my favorite part of the episode, of course. Um, if you could, if you could... Anxiety, just so you know. So if, if I just <laughs> well, we're, we're we're gonna go back to we're gonna go back to Athens real quick for for the first rapid fire question. Um, best food spot in Athens? Oh, Burrito Buggy. It's still, still there. It is still there. Okay. It is still there. Yeah. Yep. Burrito Buggy. And I'm sure if there's there's Bobcats listening to this, I'm sure they're gonna they're gonna agree. Um, all right, next one. 
you know, you've got the minor league hockey side of things. Did you ever wear a mascot uniform? Yes. Would I or have I? Well, did you? Did you? Yes, I've worn a mascot uniform. And what and what was it? Oh gosh, it was the Beast of New Haven, and it was a gigantic statue of a beast with these really scary claws. And I, I, I wore, I don't think I wore it for very long, but I, I was definitely tasked with putting it on and having that be a part of becoming the team, part of the team. No, that's great. That's great. Um, you obviously went from minor league hockey to professional hockey. Is there another sport that you're, whether you, whether hockey is your favorite sport or not, was there another sport that you've been interested in in your career? Uh, hockey, hockey is my favorite sport. Yes. Um, I love football too, though. I'd say hockey and football. Okay. All right. Last question for you. Uh, what ride are you going to be going on at, uh, Disney in Orlando first? First? Well, I mean, I I live here, so I, (laughs) no, not recently, but in general, um, gosh, I'm going to Everest, maybe I probably, a, a, a roller coaster ride. Roller coaster. Okay. Yeah. Is there, is there one that you won't go on? No. Okay, so you're a rides person. That's. I'm I mean, a rides person. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's okay. why. That's why we work in sports and anything we need. We need fast paced stuff. Hey, hanging upside down and going fast. Yep. There you go. Your your head spinning. I'm sure. Well, Amy, really, really appreciate your time. Um, appreciate the thoughts, the perspectives, the insights. Really looking forward to following the game. Thank you so much. I appreciate you allowing me to join you today. Uh, Go Bobcats. Thanks. Go Bobcats.